typically I don't try to get very political on in my messages, but today I'm going to step into the political arena and uh, make a couple of statements, all right? Uh, first of all, um, I don't believe in global warming. I believe in global burning, okay? Hang in there with me. You'll see what I mean, okay? So it's not global warming, but I believe in global burning. And uh, regarding this uh, new green deal, um, I, I don't know about this new green deal, but I do know that there is a new deal coming, all right? There is a new deal coming. And again, that'll become more clear to you as we press on this morning. That's all I want to say about the politics, okay? Right now, I want you to grab your Bibles and join me in uh, 2 Peter chapter 3. And uh, we are coming to the end of our series in 2 Peter. Uh, there's today's message, and then next week there will be one more message in 2 Peter. And we'll uh, have worked through that whole book together. But today we're in 2 Peter chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 10 through 13. And so follow along in your copy of God's Word, if you will. If not, you can look up here on the screen, and uh, I'll read. So again, uh, remember, I said I believe in global burning, not global warming, as well as uh, not, I don't believe in a new green deal, but there is a new deal coming. And I'll point that out to you. So here we begin with verse 10 here. Again, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Global burning, okay? Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will come about, uh, well, excuse me, that day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to, and here's the new deal, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. All right? Well, as we press on here this morning, I have a slide here I want to show you and take a look at. I'm just, uh, this particular uh, slide is a timetable, timeline of the end times, and I uh, just want to uh, share this timeline with you so that you can kind of give, get a general idea of uh, what Peter is talking about and where we're at when Peter is talking here, okay? Uh, at the beginning of chapter 3, uh, Peter says, I want you guys to know that in the last days, there's that phrase that was used, the last days, you see that in verse 3, in the last days, scoffers will come who will be belittling the idea that Jesus is coming again, okay? They're going to promote lies, they're going to downplay that whole idea that Jesus is coming, and so he talks about that as the last days, and if you remember, we talked about where are the last days, what, when will the last days take place, or are we in the last days? Well, if you look at this particular timeline here where it says present church age, that's the last days, that's where we're at right now, okay? So when Peter speaks of the last days 
in chapter 3, verse 3, and he says scoffers will come and they will belittle the second coming of Jesus, and they'll do a whole lot of other things regarding God's word, distorting it, um, promoting lies, and so forth. When will that take place? Well, that's taking place right now. So we're in the last days. The question is, okay, are we kind of at the beginning of the last days or are we at the end of the last days? That's the question that everybody asks and wants to answer. Of course, we do not know. But I'm just going to say, well, uh, I haven't been around a long time, but there's been a lot of people around for many years. and So I'm going to say we're probably closer to the end of in the last days. That's just an opinion there, all right? Well, anyhow, then as we press on here in chapter 3, uh, Peter jumps from being last days where he's, and then he says here in verse 10, he talks about the day of the Lord, okay, in verse 10, and then he also later talks about uh, the day of God, okay? So the day of the Lord and the day of God there in chapter 3 are referring to the same day. Well, we want to know when is the day of the Lord, okay? The day of God. What is that taking place? Well, the day of the Lord, day of God, we are jumping clear over to here. He's talking about right here, the millennial reign of Christ, all right? So if you're a believer, uh, at the end of the last days, there's going to be the rapture where I'm pointing here. I'm in the way, I know. But that's, uh, that's where we'll be taken out of this world. The believer will be. Those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they'll be taken out of the world and to be with Jesus. And then that seven-year tribulation kicks in. You'll see the, be the beginning of the sorrows, three and a half years, the great tribulation, three and a half years. That's the tribulation time, seven years. Then after seven years, we as believers will return with Jesus and we'll come back. And that's where the millennial reign of Christ will take place. And so this morning, as we uh, study God's word together there in 2 Peter chapter 3, we've jumped from the present church age, when it was the latter days, the last days, and now we are up by the millennium, okay, starting the millennium. So when he talks about the day of the Lord and the day of God, he's talking about that millennial time. So that's where we're at, all right? And so Peter is preparing us for that particular day. Anyhow, so let's talk about the, uh, the millennial time, that, those, that last time when Christ returns, okay? And so there's three things we want to say about Christ's return, and you're welcome to use your bulletin and follow the outline there. But uh, first of all, we begin with God's timing, okay? There are some thoughts shared about God's timing regarding this millennial time and when everything kicks in. Well, the end is absolutely certain. That's the first statement that we want to make based on chapter 3. The, the end is absolutely certain. Verse 10 speaks of this certainty, for it says this in verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come. Okay, you see that there? The day of the Lord will come like a thief. So there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. God will return. And we kind of celebrated that to a degree this morning as we took communion. Remember, we are to practice communion, that Lord's Supper, partaking of the bread and the juice. And as we do, not only, not only do we celebrate and remember the death of Christ, but we proclaim uh, that he will one day return as well. Look with me at Acts chapter 17. Here's some interesting words regarding the uh, certainty of God's return. It says this in Acts 17, In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. 
For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. So Christ is returning, and when he returns, that's not going to be a happy day, all right? Because when Jesus Christ returns, he returns with judgment. So remember, we as believers, we will be gone. Can we go back to that chart, Dave? Would that be all right? Remember, so when we were in the present age right now, the church age, these are the last days. That next bar there talks about the rapture of the church. We will be taken out of this world. And then God's plan of judgment kicks in. So oftentimes we think about the glorious return of Jesus Christ. And it's glorious. And uh, it's going to be a wonderful time. And uh, it's like, yeah, here he comes. He's coming for me. Well, no. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you already are with Jesus when he returns. And so we'll be raptured out as a believer. You'll be with Jesus in, in, in the heavens. And then he kicks in that judgment time of the tribulation. And after that seven, and a half, or seven years, then he comes back to set up his millennial kingdom. And that's when we return with him. And so he will do that. So this is absolutely certain the end will come. Now we're moving on to a second point regarding the timing and so forth of the end times. The end will be sudden, it says. Uh, verse 10, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Peter says. Uh, here's what Jesus has to say about his coming. And though these are the words of Jesus, here's what he says. He says, No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they know nothing about what came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the, at the coming of the Son of Man. So it's going to be sudden. It's like the thief. You know, you don't know when the thief is going to break into your home and steal some of your personal things. You don't know. Uh, we don't know when Christ returns. Okay? Now, there's something interesting, I think, there communicated in Matthew 24. Typically, when we think about those last days, uh, you know, that we're living in, yeah, they're going to get bad, okay? We are told by Peter himself that there are going to be false teachers who are going to be, uh, you know, tearing down certain doctrines that we hold dear, and, you know, they're going to communicate lies and half-truths and stuff. And so that's where we're at right now. That's going on right now. That's the last days. But we also think about, you know, wars and rumors of war. Things are going to escalate. Things are going to get bad. And I think, and I, believe, I really believe that things will get bad, get worse. But, but also understand, based on Matthew 24, I mean, life will also continue. I mean, people are, are going to be, uh, you know, getting married. There's going to be drinking and eating, you know, just in other words to say life goes on. Okay, life is going to go on. So it's not going to be so terrible that everything comes to an end. Things will get terrible, and then one day Christ will return. But it's going to be kind of a mystery, or it's going to be unknown as like a thief, and life will kind of be going on. People will be laughing, people will be enjoying, people will be vacationing, people will be doing all kinds of things, getting married and trying, you know, starting a family and everything. 
so I guess what I wanted to point out is that, you know, things don't get real, real, real terrible and bad, and then boom, Jesus comes back. Uh, things will get bad, no doubt about it, but also life goes on, and people are going to say, hey, you know, life goes on just like it did back in the, the 60s and the back in the 80s, you know, and Christ never came back, so what's the big deal? Why worry? You know, things will, I mean, that's the kind of uh, feeling that will exist. And just understand, it doesn't have to get terrible, terrible for Jesus to come back, and he will come back. So, it'll be sudden. It'll be like the thief who comes and invades. Uh, here's a third thing. There will be no second chances when Christ comes back. There are no second chances, for at this time there is complete annihilation. So remember, he talked about destruction and so forth. Moving on to point two here. What does the end look like? Well, we've been talking about that. According to verse 10, the heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything will be laid bare. That's what it says there. Uh, verse 12 describes the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. I think that's interesting. And the elements will melt in the heat. I got a... One of these charts up here, periodic table. You guys have seen these, right? In your science classes and so forth. And, uh, of course, the various letters refer to the various elements of our, of our world, of our makeup. You have your H up there for hydrogen. and In the middle, you have O for oxygen. Uh, down here in the left-hand corner, we have sulfur. And straight across from it is calcium. Okay, we have the elements but anyhow, and that, that makes up our world, and, and the Bible says that one day, all this stuff will just be burned up, okay? It's going to be gone. It's going to be burned. That's global burning, not global warming, but global burning, okay? That's what's going to take place, and that's a good thing, because then he says afterwards, then comes the new heavens and the new earth, okay? The new deal's coming, not the new green deal, but a new deal is coming. For the believers, so it's going to be exciting times. But anyhow, uh, the destruction is coming of, of of the earth as we know it. It'll be burned up. The elements will burn up, and there'll be there'll be kind of a roar. It speaks of there in those verses, a roar as the fire consumes the elements. And uh, maybe to give you a visual, just think back to our Fourth of July Fourth of July celebrations, as we watch the fireworks. There's one kind of firework that always gets me. It goes up and boom, you know, makes a big noise. But then, there, then you hear this crackling as you see all these runners or streamers firing out and they crackle and uh, burn up. You know, you following me a little bit? I don't know if that helps you, but maybe that's what the end will look like, okay? The earth, boom, we hear the crackle and the sparkle. I don't know. But just know this, that uh, the earth as we know it will be burned up. So that's what the end looks like. That was point number two, based on verses 10 and 12. Uh, now we move to our point three this morning. How should we behave in the last days? Okay, so the last days are coming. How should we behave as followers of Jesus? So knowing that Christ will return should impact our behavior. And here's what Peter says. Since, you know, everything will be Destroyed in this way, and he's talking about burning up, global burning. So what kind of people ought you to be, he says in verse 3. Well, he says, 
first of all, we are to live holy lives. In light of the fact that we know that there is an end coming, we as followers of Jesus should make it a discipline to live a holy life, all right? Uh, since everything will be destroyed, what kind of people ought you be? It says you ought to live holy, and it also says godly lives, but we're focusing on holy. So holy lives, what's, what does that exactly mean? Well, the word holy typically refers to something that has been set apart, set apart. And a lot of times I like to refer to uh, the, uh, the china cupboards, you know, that we have in our home. Uh, we receive your... When you were married, you received some nice, fine china, and it's on display in that uh, particular china cupboard. You don't use it very often, except when you have guests come over. Well, that is holy china, right? You have that set apart for special occasions, all right? So here, Peter says, you know, as you know that the end is coming, you should be, be set apart. You should be something special. You should be different from the world. Uh, and Peter exhorted the believer with these words in his first letter. He says, dear friends, and here's what it somewhat looks like to be set apart. He says, dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So that's, a, again, a verse talking about setting apart. What is our responsibility? Since we do know that the world is going to come to an end, how should we live? How should we conduct our lives? Well, you should be different, okay? Holy means different. You are an alien in this world. You are a stranger, and therefore you do not conform to the standards of this world. The world says, do this, you know. The world promotes these things. But you, as a follower of Jesus, say, I'm not going to play that game. I'm not part of the game. So you are set apart. You are holy. And that's what we are to practice as we anticipate the coming of our Lord. And then there's a second thing. Says He says, also that you should live godly lives, he says there. Godly lives. In addition to pursuing holiness, verse 11 says, to live godly lives. Now, godliness simply uh, defined means obedience. Okay? So somebody who is, if you were to look at somebody and say, you know, that, that individual's pretty godly. What, what you're saying about that individual is that they follow Jesus Christ. I mean, what the Bible says, they put into action. And you would say that they have a godly life. Well, Peter says, well, since you know that the end is coming, one, I want you to be set apart. I want you to be holy. I don't want you to look like the world, Peter says. And second of all, he says, I just want you to walk in obedience. Follow the Lord's commands. Apply them in your life. In fact, when you do that, when you apply God's word in your life, you are going to be set apart, okay? It's just the natural flow of things that happens because you're being obedient. So we need to live godly lives. Here's a third thing that we need to do as we know that's coming. First of all, remember we need to live a holy life. We need to live a godly life since we know the end is coming. Then he says we're also to look forward to God's return. 
it's going to be a good day for us, those who follow Jesus. It's a good day. So we live a life of anticipation. God will return. And uh, I've shared this before in messages. The only, the, the next uh, thing regarding prophetic fulfillment that needs to take place, the next thing that's on the ticket is uh, the rapture of the church. Okay, that's the next thing. So we're there, people. We're in the last days. And so, uh, you know, Christ could return tomorrow. That, that's what's so, so amazing, so kind of awesome about Christ and his return. It could happen tomorrow. So we look forward with anticipation. It could be tomorrow. And since he's coming back, we live a holy and godly life. And then we move on here in, that, in verse uh, 12. Something interesting is said. Not only we are to set, be set apart, live holy and godly lives, um, but it says uh, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God. Okay, there's that anticipation. And speed its coming. So that's there in verse 12. Speed its coming. Now that's an interesting phrase regarding end time events. What, what's he saying? It's, it's, it's a mystery, definitely a mystery. I don't know if we can completely understand it. But from that verse... It seems to indicate that in some way we assist God in speeding up his coming. Okay, are, are you with me on that? Based on verse 12, somehow we, as followers of Jesus, we somehow can uh, get the ball rolling a little bit faster when it comes to Jesus' return. Now, remember, I said it's a mystery. I'm not sure exactly how that works, but here's a couple of things. Okay, uh, how do we speed up the coming of Jesus? Well, one is proclaiming the gospel. That's why Jesus came into this world, because of his mission, and his mission was to share the gospel. And of course, the gospel is uh, how Christ died for us to forgive our sins. And then when we place our faith and trust in what he has done, we receive eternal life. And we get to spend eternity with him. That's, that's the gospel. So that's why he comes. So here's what Matthew 24 reports. And this gospel of the kingdom will be, re, will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then, notice what it says there, and then the end will come. So um, somehow, and again, it's a mystery, and I don't completely understand it, but, but the fact that we, uh, when we share the gospel with individuals asking and inviting them to trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, we're speeding up his coming. So I don't know if that means that uh, there's a number of people that Jesus is waiting for us to witness to so that we, uh, so that he can come. I don't know. But somehow in God's mighty plan, he is, and his wisdom and understanding, somehow we play a role. I don't know what, how that works, but just understand that as you know, when the, the gospel is proclaimed to the nations, then the end will come, it says. And then here's the second thing about speeding up his coming. Uh, prayer. Remember, the second thing is prayer. And here's what Matthew 6, uh, 9 through 10 says. And in Matthew 6, we have the famous, the Lord's Prayer. Um, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
and here's what we're looking at in verses 9 and 10. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then we pray, your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But we're praying, Lord, your kingdom come. So uh, not only is it the sharing of the gospel that somehow, in some way, speeds his coming, but even through our prayer, we somehow contribute, somehow participate in the coming of Jesus Christ. So we're praying that his kingdom will come, that his kingdom will come. So anyhow, Peter is talking to us about the last days, the last days. And uh, as I said, I'm not real political, but I believe in global burning based on Scripture, okay? And I believe in a new deal. And this new deal is a new heaven and a new earth. God's got it under control, and he's got it planned. But as we depart this morning, knowing that he's going to come, we need to ask the question, then how should we live? How should we live? Peter makes it personal. Since, you know, the end is coming, Christ is returning, what should we be doing? And our challenge, of course, is we need to be different. That's just part of our calling as followers of Jesus Christ. We need to be different. We need to look different. Our decisions are, are different than the world's decisions. We don't participate in things that the world thinks are grand and great because we know that it doesn't honor God. So we need to be different. We need to be different. So that's part of our challenge. And then second of all, of course, is godliness. Godliness. He wants us to pursue holiness and godly lives. And remember, we define godliness as simply as obedience. Obedience. When we're obeying and practicing obedience, the holiness manifests itself. So, Jesus is coming again. He is. Therefore, let's practice holiness and godly lives. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that this life is not the end. This is not all there is. You have a plan. You have a new deal. And for the believer who has trusted in you as Lord and Savior, it is a grand deal. A deal of joy, a deal of peace, no suffering, no pain, but we're in the presence of our Maker for all time. What a deal. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you.